Is he enough? <laughs> Is he enough? I had, to, I had to twist Bobby's arm to play a fast song last. But I wanted that to be fresh in your mind. Because today we're going to talk about, is he enough? Is he enough? Because life will come along, and it will punch you in the gut. And it will break your heart, and you'll have sorrow, and it's real. It's, it's horrible pain. You might have the death of a spouse. You might go through a divorce. You might have a wild kid out there living it up, sinning unsaved. You might have lost your job and be anxious. But what are, you, what are you doing, God? Where are you at? Have you ever asked that question? I have. What, are, what in the world are you doing, Lord? We have to ask ourselves, has God given us the resources to deal with our life's issues. Is he enough? Or maybe, even though you have God and you have Christ, but you're still inadequate and you need therapy. Maybe you just need more of Jesus. You need some special anointing from him to really be adequate to handle this life we're in. Do we need some kind of human help? Some kind of psychology beyond Scripture? See, Christian, we have a, we have a very generous God. And the Bible is full of His generosity. But Christians can still think that God is stingy. That he may have given you salvation, but not enough undeserved favor, grace. Not enough grace to be sanctified, which is to live the Christian life, to be more Christ-like, to be, to be set apart. He hasn't given you enough of that. Or maybe enough grace to be sanctified, but not enough grace to be glorified. To get you to heaven you might think you could lose your salvation maybe he's given you enough grace to be saved enough grace to be somewhat sanctified and enough grace to be glorified but he hasn't given you enough grace to handle your everyday life's problems he's only given you some things to live He's only given you enough to save you. But then you're left to fend for yourselves and the resources to live this life and your spiritual life. So ask yourself again, is Christ sufficient? Is he all we need? Or do we lack resources? Our main text for today is going to be 2 Peter 1, 2 through 3. Only two verses, and then we're going to have lots of other verses, so get ready to flip, tap, whatever. But before we read the scripture, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that Christ is enough. Lord, I, I pray that you would show up 
that you would encourage your children that I would get out of the way and that Christ would be seen and that your word would not fall to the floor but would pierce the hearts of your children and even those who don't know you. We love you in Christ's name. Second Peter 1, 2 through 3. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now you've heard the saying, it's all about who you know. You might have gotten a job because of somebody you know. You might have gotten into the union because your dad's in the union and he put in the good word for you. And somebody comes along and says, how in the world did you get that job? You do not have any skills. Because, well, I know somebody. They put in a good word for me. Or maybe you went on a vacation, but you're always complaining about, I have no money. And somebody's like, they said they had no money. Where are they going? Well, they knew somebody. They paid for it. Maybe you needed some help in any area of your life. You knew somebody. They helped you out. Maybe you got a part in a play or your band got a gig somewhere. How in the world did you get that show with that band? Or how in the world did you get that part in that play? Well, I knew somebody. I knew the promoter. I knew the script writer. And they got me the job. Most of the times you need skills and you need to be qualified, but not always. And in this text that we just read, it's all about who you know. This divine grace, this unfavored, undeserved favor towards sinners in Christ, and peace, peace with God through life trials, because of his grace, this divine grace and peace comes from knowing Christ. And here, Peter, he's dealing with false teachers, and he does this in chapter 2. They were minimizing who Christ is and what he's done. And we see this all the time today. People are always minimizing Christ and what he's done. We'll see it on TV. We'll see it on TV with preachers. And we will do this today, too. We need to be reminded that his people have everything they need. Look at verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied. He multiplies. We have everything we need, and he multiplies this grace and peace. And he can do this because he's infinite. He's infinitely sufficient. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. Turn there. First Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. 
whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. All things belong to you. All of God's provisions belong to you. Who was this written to? This particular passage in 1 Corinthians. It was written to the Corinthians, the Corinthian church, one of the lowest kind of sinful people there were at the time. Years ago, Pastor Phil did a sermon series called Once Corinthians, Now Californians. <laughs> and we, the culture, we just keep getting worse. And it's just all out in the open now. No more hiding. Now these Corinthians have come to Christ. And they were still growing in Christ. And they weren't being obedient in many areas of their lives. Do you remember when that was you? Remember when you started serving the Lord? You didn't have it all together. And you still don't. And I still don't. <laughs> all you knew was, I have Jesus, and he's all I need. One time at a youth staff retreat, I was in seminary at the time, and I was talking with my friend, theology, the study of God, Bible geeks we were, and talking about Bible, I don't remember what it was, but we were talking about it, and we had this other guy there, and he's just listening. And he goes, I don't know what you're all talking about. All I want to know about is Jesus. And that was us when we got saved. We didn't know which way was up. All we knew that is that we were forgiven and we had Christ. And these Corinthians, they were baby Christians. And you, even you as a baby Christian, all things belong to you. It's in God's nature to be generous. You get everything at salvation. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Whatever God the Father and Christ possess, we possess. This is, this is great news. This is good news. But how do we get this powerful provision? Back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1.3 Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Yes, yes. What does that mean? You have to know Christ. Not just the historical, archaeological, eyewitness accounts that Christ lived, died, and rose again. But you have to know him personally. Intimately. It's truly knowing Christ in a sense of intimate communion. I believe in you, Jesus. I turn from my sins. I place my trust in you. I give you my life to follow you in obedience as my Lord, my boss. What is this sin that I'm turning from? Sin, as Paul wrote, I would not have known sin but by the law. 
So what are some of those laws? You can look at the Ten Commandments, just some of them. Have you ever told a lie? If you say no, you're lying. Okay. Have you ever stolen something that doesn't belong to you, even if it's a penny, a pencil, taking something without asking? Have you always put God first? No. I haven't. Have you committed adultery of the heart, thinking sexual thoughts about somebody else you're not married to? Or maybe you committed adultery in real life, you know, outside of the mind. Maybe you've murdered somebody in your heart. Have you used God's name as a curse word? You dragged his name through the mud. That's sin when we break those laws. And God, being a just God, a loving, just God, he must punish sinners. If you break God's law, you deserve punishment. That's justice. And this place of punishment is not a fun place where you're going to go party with your friends. It's a place called hell where God's wrath is poured out on you. And you won't be enjoying it with your friends. But God. God doesn't want you to go there. God sent his only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved the world so much that he would do that. But we still have to respond to this good news. We have to repent. We're going the wrong direction. We change our mind and we go towards Christ. We pour out our heart to him and ask for forgiveness for all the sin we've done. Name it. Lord, I've lied. I've stolen. I've disobeyed my parents. And I trust. That's faith. I trust in what Christ did on the cross and rising from the dead. When you do that, that brings one into a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he will change you. A changed life and faith are proof that you know Christ. And in that true knowledge, the power comes in and the provision is granted. When you receive Christ, all that is yours belongs to him. Your sin, your life, and all that is Christ belongs to you. His righteousness, his perfect life. He took responsibility for your sin. He took responsibility for your judgment, for your sonship, and intimacy with God the Father. He took all of that on for you. Summarized in four words, Jesus in my place. In Christ, in the gospel, you have all the grace and peace multiplied. And is connected to the knowledge of knowing him. He can multiply grace and peace. Do you know God intimately? Is he real to you? If you know him, you get all this. It starts with knowing who he is. He is God in human form. John 1, 14. 
John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. He's full. He's more than a man who's able to give you more than you could ever need. And is connected to knowing him. He made provision for you at conversion. He granted everything we need. He entered the world to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We on our own do not have everything for life and godliness. We need him. The first thing he does in life and godliness is that conversion. He gives you a new heart. He forgives your sins as far as the east is from the west, throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. The weight is lifted. You get a new nature. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are no longer this or that or whatever label you had on you, whatever sin label you had on you. You are in Christ and you are new. You receive the Holy Spirit. He gives you power. He gives you his word. We all have disorders. We all have sins. We all have sinned. It's in our genes. We're born that way. Some are more prone to sins than others at a very young age, to specific sins. But we're given everything pertaining to life and godliness. By divine power, he makes us new. And we experience this at conversion, at the new birth. We know Christ, and he knows us. And in knowing him, he will multiply. He is the one who can sustain and strengthen us in this evil world. No matter what our problems. No matter what our problems. He has already given us everything we need. Rooted in knowing him. First Peter. First Peter 2, 9. First Peter 2, 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. When you come to Christ, you are his possession. He took you from a wretched sinner, a worm, a wretch, and he turns you into a saint. He's already done the greatest deliverance in saving you. And he'll do it again in healing you and bringing you joy. Why do so many people doubt this? Why do so many people doubt this? One reason is they don't know Christ. They're not really saved. They don't have a relationship with Christ, so they are insufficient they don't have Jesus so they don't have all things or maybe you think you're saved that's what you call a false convert 
That was me. As a teen and a young adult, I thought it was all about asking Jesus into your heart. And it's not. You need to repent and believe in Christ. Another reason you don't know. Or maybe you've forgotten. I forget. I need to be reminded. You don't know what you have, and you need to be reminded. We forget. And one time, my wife Lacey and I went to get some biblical counseling for child rearing, because we don't raise children. We rear them. We only raise animals, right? That's a joke. They laughed better at first service. <laughs> so we needed some wisdom. The Bible says to seek out godly wisdom. So we went. And this counselor told us about troubles with her kids when the, they were younger and as they grew up and how they got better and just the problems they faced and they showed us the scripture. They Basically what they did is they, they learned to read their Bible upside down. They turned their Bible around and have us read it. And it was God's word. And it was God's word that reminded us, that encouraged us, that lifted this weight off us. We were reminded about God's word. I had forgotten. It was stuff I already knew. I was like, man, I already knew that stuff, but I'm so glad I was reminded. As I said before, we have a generous God. We have such a generous God that he gave. He gave the most he could give us in his son, and he did not spare him. In Romans 8.32, Romans 8.32, Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us the most in the sacrifice of his son, how could we imagine that he would hold back anything less? The good things which the death of his son purchased. Now go back to Second Peter. Second Peter one three. His divine power has granted to us all things. Whose power? His power. A lot of times we like to do things on our own. We think I could do it. I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it good. Some of you it takes coffee. Some of you it takes five energy drinks. But you want to do it. And you, you boast in that you can. And if it was up to our own power, especially salvation, we would fumble the ball on the first yard line. We will eventually fail, if not right away. But he will not. He will never fail us. We will never lack power we will never have a power outage because he gives it to us and he will never fumble the ball. We will eventually fail, 
if not right away, that he will never fail us. Not because of anything we've done, but by his power. He will complete the good work he started in you. He will never abandon or give up on you. The power is always there. The moment you place faith in Christ, it is given to you. And it's a permanent power given to us in the past with continuing results in the future. And guess what? It doesn't stop. Our Lord Jesus, by divine power, generously, continuously gives it to us. Power for all things in life and godliness. Life, everyday living, godliness, our spiritual life. We have everything. Jesus said in John 10.10. John 10.10. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Romans 8.17. Romans 8.17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It says we're not just heirs, but we're joint heirs with Christ. All that God gives to Christ, he gives to you. We possess everything we need right now. everything that has to do with our present life, everything we experience, the good, the bad, the pleasant, the painful, the heartbreaks, the joys, the disappointments, the healths, the sicknesses, the deaths, he can take care of it. 2 Corinthians 9.8 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, There it is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You have infinitely more than what you need. But we will say to ourselves, yes, God gave me his best gift, his son, He forgave my sins and the sacrifice of his sons. But, but, but he will not give me enough peace to handle this situation. He will not mend my heart, my deepest scars. But nothing. There is no but. He can and he will heal you. We have everything we need in Christ for life and godliness. Now, about a little over 12 years ago, my dad went to be with the Lord from cancer at an early age, early 50s. Now you probably can imagine, or maybe you've experienced, what my mom might have been going through. She was sad, broken-hearted, real pain, depressed, spiritual fog, 
not seeing what Christ was doing. I've been there. You've probably been there. Now, I was learning this stuff. I was learning about the sufficiency of Christ and how he heals us. I've had a, I've talked to my mom. I remember, I remember it. She remembers it. We're on her porch and I asked her, is Christ enough? And she said, yes, but dot, 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 dot. I said, no, is Christ enough? And she said, she said, yes, but, dot, 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 dot. So I said, no, is he enough? I didn't yell at her, but, you know. And she said, yes. yes. And she stopped there. And I asked her again last week about it. She said, yes, he is enough. Enough for everything pertaining to life. We have a new life in Christ. Everything related to keeping that life, we have. That's another reason why you could believe you are eternally secure. You will not lose your salvation. You will not lose Jesus. You have everything that pertains to that life. A Christian will permanently persevere because of his power granted to us in life and godliness. We have everything we need to sustain that life. And it's because of him. But then he just doesn't stop there. He adds, and godliness. Everything you need to be godly, you have. The grace that is so powerful to save you is so powerful to keep you. It's equally powerful to show itself in the way we live because of his power in us. His power is the reason people are freed, renewed, a power beyond all human ability. His power is adequate to the task. Christ's power. And God initiates all of this. He's going to get all the credit. He's going to get all the glory. It's an easy way to remember a definition of glory. Michael Jordan wants all the credit for scoring the points, right? Steph Curry. He wants all the glory. God's going to get all the glory because he initiates all of this. Back to 2 Peter 1.3. He initiates all this through the true knowledge of him who called us. You cannot come to this true knowledge unless God calls you. The only way you can have true knowledge of Christ is when God calls you. John 6, 44. John 6, 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He draws you. He calls you by name. Your name. Personally. He convicts you of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Now, don't get confused. Sometimes... Well, actually, all the time, you will be convicted of sin as a believer. 
And before you become a believer, if you are one of God's elect, he will convict you of sin before he saves you. That's part of the Holy Spirit's job. That was a confusion I had as a false convert. I thought conviction of sin equaled salvation, but it doesn't. That was just part of God's process in drawing me, in calling me. And he may be doing this to somebody here right now. He may be tugging at your heart, calling you, drawing you, wanting to show you Jesus. We've heard those stories. I've been told, you show up at church, God's word is preached, and the person says, he knew I was going to be here. The preacher knew I was going to be here. That's why he said that. Or maybe you just feel like the word of God is just piercing your heart. It's talking directly at you. That's just God doing his job. That's the word working. And he's doing that now. He gives you a new heart. He calls you. He gives you a new heart. Gives you new eyes to see who truly Jesus is. He draws you and your vision of Christ becomes clear. And this isn't about promising you happiness or a good time. You will get those things. But most importantly, you need to see Christ. You see Christ for the first time, and you run to him. Throwing yourself onto him. Repenting of your sins. Trusting in him for what he did on the cross and rising from the dead. Do you remember the first time you saw Christ? Do you remember the first time you saw Christ? And you ran to him, and you embraced him intimately. Now, from what I understand, by how we see things, we see light bouncing off of matter, media. We see there's media, light bouncing off media, light disperses into our eyes. I forget the scientific term. And it translates into our brain, and we're able to see. Now, as a Christian, when you die, you are absent from the body, present with the Lord, and you get to see Christ for the first time with your true spiritual eyes. No media. He is the light. First time I heard that, I was like, whoa. Like Bill and Ted, whoa. You get to see Christ. Let me ask you again. Do you have everything? By divine power has come provision to every person through faith in Christ. He's promised us life, grace, joy, strength, guidance, help, instruction, wisdom, the Holy Spirit, heaven, rewards. It's all yours, all of it. Be encouraged, Christian. You get all of this. But most importantly, you get Christ. You get Him. This is great news. This is wonderful information, right? But how does this fit into your pocket? How does it fit into your everyday life? How does this help you today? What's a common response people have to life's issues? 
typically they know where to go. It's not God. Well, they know where to go. Or they might ask, do you have anything that will help my heart? Where do you run to first? Have you prayed about it? Have you gone to him first? Or do you go elsewhere? Do you go to horoscopes? Do you go to Dr. Phil and Oprah? (laughs) Do you go to false teachers on TV that will make you feel good? Because they will. They'll make you feel good. Do you run to food? Do you run to gossip? Drugs? Sex? Whatever you can do to get your mind off the hurt and pain, where do you go to? Go to his word. Go to him in prayer. Better is one day in his court than thousands elsewhere. Spend time with him. When you go elsewhere, it may feel good. But it won't last. If it's not Christ, it's temporary. It's dirty. Now, an example of my life when God forced me (laughs) or spanked me to go to his word and spend time with him. I I had a horrible boss one time. Maybe some of you experienced a horrible boss. They even made a movie about it. I hated coming to work. He lied to me. He had me do tasks that he said were approved that were not. I hated hearing his footsteps come down the hall to hear what next lie he had to tell me. I was basically shelved and not really able to do the job I was hired to do. But what that made me do is it drove me to God's Word. It made me spend time with Him I learned to love the Psalms. I learned to love to spend time with him in prayer even more. And I knew he was there. His presence was felt. Have you ever felt the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit? When you seek him and pray and read his word, it's like no other. Everything else is poisonous, cheap, counterfeit, knockoff. Sin always looks good, doesn't it? It's pretty. But sin will never live up to its expectation. It'll never fulfill its promises. Just ask Adam. Have you ever worshipped him? Have you ever worshipped him and felt his presence? Singing, praising. Years ago, I was at a conference for pastors, teachers, men. It was all about exalting Christ. Everything was about Christ. And there was this preacher, pastor named Anthony Carter from Georgia. This was years ago, and it stuck with me. So this is a freebie for you. He said, as humans... When we want to clean something, we use bleach. But when God wants to clean something, 
He uses the blood of his son. So hopefully that will stick with you, huh? So we were singing. We were singing a song all about Jesus. I was worshiping, and I knew he was there. All these men yelling, screaming, sick. Well, they're singing at the top of their lungs. And I stopped. Why? Because if I kept singing, I would have become undone. I would have wept. Should I have stopped? Looking back, no. But I remember when I felt his presence at that particular time and all tons of other times. Then after we sang, the lead pastor came up and he said, Lord Jesus, you are here. I was like, man, he's right. Lord Jesus, you are here. And he's here with you now. He's here with you now in all your hurts and pains, the good and the bad. He's already done the greatest deliverance in saving you. And he'll do it again in healing you and bringing you joy. Think about it. This is a lesser work. A lesser work to bind up your wounds and heal your heart. It's a greater work to create a new one. To make you a new creation. This is the greatest miracle, I think. The greatest miracle in the Bible and today. The greatest modern day miracle is taking somebody who's rebelling, who's putting their fist up to God and saying, my will be done, not yours. And then he adopts them into his family. And he makes them a child of God. Because before that, you were not a child of God. You've heard the saying, oh, we're all child of God. No. You need Christ. You have Christ, Christian. You have everything. No bondage, no enslavement. You are no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. And he's granted to us everything for life and godliness. He has the power to release you. You won't be a cripple your whole life with a broken heart. You will not be a crippled Christian. At conversion, we know Jesus can do anything. We have to be taught differently to not believe this. He's everything you'll ever, ever need in life and godliness. He gives you power. He gives you strength, protection. He keeps you. He is your helper, and he forgives you. People will look everywhere for healing and help. They'll look everywhere but Christ. But it won't last in the long run. Love, joy, and peace you'll experience because of him. Have, have you guys ever studied sin? I know you're good at practicing it, or were, right? Have you ever studied sin and the depravity of man? And how before we know Christ, we're slaves to it. We're horrible sinners. I'm a horrible sinner. We've done horrible things. 
And we can think about those horrible things, can't we? Satan loves to bring those up, those past sins, and make you useless in a crippled Christian, right? But it's all taken care of at the cross. Christ is greater than your sins, and he's greater than your hurts and pains. Think of the birds. Think of the flowers. The animals. Think of how much God takes care of them. How much more would he take care of you, the child of God? He's enough for unequally yoked marriages. He is enough for homelessness, loss of a job, cancer, tumors. He's enough to heal you from a divorce. He's enough to heal you from abuse or suicide in the family. He can do it. Run to Christ. Run to him in prayer. Seek him out in his word. Let him talk to you through his word. Seek out others that will point you to Jesus. 2 Peter 1, 2-3 May God, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We're going to sing a song. I wanted a closing song because I wanted to give you a chance to respond to this. If this is true, if Christ is enough, if he's all you need and he is your life, sing it like you mean it. Praise him. Worship him. Don't stop singing. If you got to weep, weep. It's okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that he's all we need for life and godliness. You're more than enough. I thank you for all that you've granted to us. Help us to worship you. Help us to praise you. Show up. Change your lives. In Christ's name. Amen.